Yeah, today we're talking, it's part two on our series, The One Another's. And uh, to be honest with you, um, I had this message sorted a while ago, and, uh, and then the events of Friday happened, and I really, I found it really hard going over this uh, message as I was preparing it on Saturday night, because I'm like, I, I just, I don't feel like it has the gravitas, I don't feel like it has the, the weight uh, in, the, in, in the light of what we've just seen happen. And, uh, but then... I was talking to my very wise wife, and uh, she reminded me that actually, you know, love isn't just about big, great, heroic acts. Uh, actually, love is, is often just lots of small acts, just lots of little acts of love that add up to uh, a big love, the big love that God has for us. And so we're going to look at this idea today of loving one another. We're going through the, the series, it's called The One Another's, because in the Bible, it mentions the one another's 59 times, and uh, how many of you know that when God tells you to do something once, it's important, uh, but when He goes over it 59 times uh, to love one another, honor one another, serve one another, then, then we need to listen. And actually, it's a template for how we are to, re, to interact with one another, and not just one to another here, but also outwards to the world around us. So yeah, we're diving into it this week with this idea of loving one another. Jesus' great revolution was one of love. It's the cornerstone of, of what He preached. Loving our neighbor, as I shared before from the Good Samaritan, but even loving our enemy. Jesus took it to the next level. And uh, love really does conquer hate. Love really does conquer it all. And it, it's, it's easy to say something like that. But actually, in a, in a moment like this in our nation, it's a, it's, a, it's a pivotal point. Because we can turn either way. We can turn towards hate. We can turn towards tit for tat. You know, they did this, so we do that. We can turn towards retribution and, and revenge and, and bitterness and, and blame. Or we can turn towards love. We can follow what Jesus calls us to do. And we can embrace that more fully and live that out more. And, I, and I, my prayer is that we as a church embrace more fully the love that God has for us and reach out more fully towards those around us in love. I, I pray that is your prayer as well. Church, are you with me in that? Yeah, come on. You know, the, the, the more you respond, even though you, you, know, you might be a bit subdued this morning, the more you respond, the better I will preach. Okay? Obviously, Matt wants a good sermon. How about the rest of you? Oh, you do? You would like to? Okay, awesome. So I'm going to hit you with some scripture here um, because it's a good place to start. So Romans 12, verse 10, it says this, Love each other with genuine affection and take delight in honoring each other. With genuine affection, there's a genuineness to our love. And if you don't feel a genuine affection, then fake it. Until you make it, actually, because love is a deed. It's not a feeling. It's an action. 
And it, actually, sometimes you need to act in love before you ever feel the feelings. But as you do that, genuine affection will hopefully, as you grow, it will flow. I hit you with another one, Romans 13, 8. Owe nothing to anyone except for your obligation to love one another. If you love your neighbor, you will fulfill the requirements of God's law. You don't need to run around trying to be holy and do this and not do that and, 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 and keep the laws religiously. All you've got to do is love. If you love, then all of the law is complete. All of the law is fulfilled when we love. That is freeing, isn't it? Just if we love, then we are following God's ways. And that is, that's the only obligation that we have. Sometimes, you know, you feel, oh, I've got to, I feel obliged to do this, obliged to do that. You, the only thing you're obliged to do is to love, is to love. And then Ephesians 4, verse 2. This one gets me. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Bearing with one another in love. You got to put up with people. That's what God is saying here. Because here's the thing about God. God loves the people that you dislike. God loves the people that you find hard to love. God loves the people you find annoying. And actually, He calls you to bear with those people, to put up with them. You know, we think a great act of love is doing something, you know, doing something fun and loving with our kid. But actually, that's easy because you love your children, hopefully. Sometimes it's hard to like them, I admit, but we love our kids. But a greater act of love is that annoying workmate that just bugs you and you really can't stand. Actually, a greater love might just be having a five-minute conversation with them this week, unpacking with them some of the emotions they're going through as they process what's happened in our nation. That may be a far greater act of love than, than a week's worth of great things you've done with your kids because we're called to bear with one another. God is easy to love, right? Our God and His, and His mercy, once you get to know the God of, of the Bible, He's easy to love. It's people that are hard. <laughs> loving our neighbor is the hard thing. And I tell you what, loving God doesn't shape you nearly as much as loving the people around you. Actually coming here and worshiping and loving God doesn't actually shape who you are nearly as much as going out on Monday and loving your workmate, your colleague, your friend, your enemy. Jesus was asked, you know, what's the greatest commandment? And tricky old Jesus, this is how he answers. He said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment and... The second is like it. The guy only asked for one. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. See, what Jesus is saying here is those two are intimately connected. You can't have one without the other. And so for this guy to say, what's the one thing? Well, Jesus says, actually, you can't 
just love God without loving your neighbor. You can't love God and hate your neighbor. Those two things are incompatible. You can't love God and isolate yourself from people. Too many of the church feel like they can do that. There's been whole movements of, uh, through the centuries where, where you know, people have cloistered themselves away from the world and just loved God. And the mist, the other side of that equation, that we have to love one another. Who is our neighbor? I shared before. Our neighbor is anybody who's on the journey with us. Anybody we come across our journey who's hurting, who's broken, who needs love, that's our neighbor. Anyone you come into contact with, regardless of race, regardless of color, regardless of sex, regardless of religion, regardless of background, of age, of anything you can divide people up into, regardless of all those things, those are your neighbors. That is who we are called to love. 1 Thessalonians 3 verse 12 says, And may the Lord make your love for one another and for all people grow and overflow just as our love for you overflows. He wants your love to grow and overflow. If there's anything that we need to grow in as Christians, it's not holiness. It's not our purity. You know, those are good things. But actually, the, the greatest thing that we can grow and overflow in is our love. As we get further on in our lives and following Jesus, we should become more and more loving. 1 John 4, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to he- keep hitting you with scriptures. 1 John 4 verse 7, Dear friends, let us continue to love one another. For love comes from God. Anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God. Love is the defining characteristic of us, church. That's who we are. God is love. And we are to represent Him to the world around us. That is our defining characteristic. 1 John 4, it goes on. Skip a couple of verses to verse 11. Dear friends, since God loved us that much, we surely ought to love each other. No one has ever seen God, but if we love each other, God lives in us, and His love is brought to full expression in us. Uh, that blows my mind, the concept that God's love is brought to full expression in us. You would think God's love is brought to full expression in Jesus. But actually now, we are Jesus' representation. We are the body of Christ with Him as our head in the here and now. And when we love, we fully represent. We give full expression. We give proof to the love of God. We give proof to the love of God. If we don't give proof to it, the world doesn't know that God loves them. That's it. And I think too often in New Zealand, we've been a bit quiet. We've been a bit by ourselves and we haven't given proof to the love that we hold for the world around us, for people, for others, because that is the full expression of, 
of God's love in us. The most transformational teaching of the New Testament is the love of God. Unfortunately, too often we, because we live in our world and our culture shapes us to a degree, we take the world's view of love and we kind of have applied it to ourselves. And the world has got a messed up view of love. It's all about your feelings. But the Bible version of love is all about your actions. Love is, as DC Talk, my favorite band from my teenage years says, love is a verb. They have a great song, go look it up. It's pretty old school. Love is a verb. It's a doing word. It's an action. In the world, you, you kind of merely fall in love. But in, in the Bible, we're told to behave in love. Jesus commands us to love our neighbors, love our enemies. A decision to do something in spite of how we feel, not because of how we feel. We think wrongly, and the world tells us that we have to feel love for it to be love. And Jesus flips it on its head. He says, it's not about your feelings at all. It's about your actions. The verb version of love is the real one. That is the hallmark of, of Christianity, and, and it actually has to be the basis of all our relationships. You see, great relationships are built on good decisions, not on strong emotions. Let me say that again. You can write that down. You can credit Sam Monk for that. Uh, good, great relationships are built on good decisions, not strong emotions. See, our, our culture distorts the golden rule. It says, do unto others as uh, you know, the golden rule is do unto others as you would have them do unto you. But the world says do unto others as they do unto you, as they treat you, as they deserve to have done to them. Or do unto others so that they will do something for you. That's kind of how we operate too often. I'll do my bit if you do your bit. See, that's love on a contractual basis. And if you think about contracts, contracts are formed around mutual distrust, right? They're put in place because we think, man, what happens if they don't uphold their end of the bargain? What's going to happen to me? What about my rights? What about my needs? And so a contract is, is written up just so, just to protect us in case they don't meet their end of the bargain. They protect our rights. They protect our needs. That's how the world operates on a contractual basis. That's not how God operates. Biblical love displayed in God's relationship to us is based on a covenant, not a contract. And a covenant is like what we say in, in, in marriage, in good times and in bad times, through sickness and in health. And in all circumstances, I will choose to love you. You don't have to meet these requirements. You don't have to have a contract here. No, no, there's a covenant. Because the covenant says that this relationship is more important than my needs. This I place this relationship above my uh, things that I want to get out of it. Above my rights. Too many people today, they, they leave relationships, they leave churches... Because my needs haven't been met. It's, you know, it's a contractual 
thing. You, you haven't done your bit, so I'm out of here. But a covenant is, is far much, it's so much more than that. Because you don't come into a covenant 50-50 like you might a contract. A covenant, you've got to go all in. You've got to come in 100-100. That's the only way a covenant works. You give your all and they give their all and it's built on mutual love. That's the foundation for a great relationship. See, a contractual relationship says that my needs are actually more important than this relationship. Whereas a covenant relationship says the relationship is more important than my needs. Listen to what Jesus says. John 13, 34. A new command I give you. Love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. Now you think, oh, Jesus, that's not new. But actually, the Greek word here for new means strange or remarkable. That's cool. Jesus comes in here, and, and it's actually a bit of a game changer. He says, love one another. I've got a, this strange, this weird, this remarkable command that I give you. Don't just love based on how people treat you. No, love is a command that you do regardless. Imagine Counselor Jesus counseling a married couple and he says, just quit arguing and go love one another. He's so pastoral, Jesus. (laughs) He says it in love, (laughs) but that's essentially what he's saying to us. Don't react to your feelings. That's what the world says. It's all about your feelings. No, no, just do this one thing. Choose. Decide to love one another. Jesus doesn't command his followers to feel something, just to do something. And and, and Jesus is doing something remarkable here because he's 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 basically dismantling that whole tit for tat, you do this, I do that kind of scenario that had been. You know, an eye and eye, for, a tooth for a tooth, uh, that kind of. It's got to, the punishment's got to match the, the crime and, and it's the whole justice thing. And Jesus says, no, go, there's a higher law. There's a higher law than, than tit for tat, than you do this and I'll do that, than a contract. No, no, love overcomes all of that. And actually, in, in view of Friday, that is a response. Love, over top of what is crazy and wrong, so wrong, we've got to come with love. Love one another. If you see how he tells us to love in this passage, this will actually, well, this changes everything. Because he says, love one another as I have loved you. That's a whole new concept. Love one another as I have loved you. Just stop and think about that for a moment. How has Jesus loved us? Sacrificially, completely and absolutely, he loved us by going to the cross, by dying a horrible death, by laying it all down for us. Jesus says, just as I've loved you, you love one another. Wow. It's not much to live up to, Jesus. (laughs) Okay. 
He's changing the game, though. He really is. Uh, I don't know about you, but I, I've done this before. When, uh, when it's like someone's birthday or, or Christmas is coming up and you're thinking, oh, what, what, what gift should I give this person? You kind of judge it based on what you've received from them in the past or what that you think they will give you. You know, you're kind of like, oh, well, I got a $50 present uh, last time. So, so I'll, I'll judge it on, I'll give them about that. That's, that's how the world operates in love. It's like, okay, whatever we're going to, we'll match that. No, no, it's not about how the other person loves you. Jesus is saying, no, you love based on how I have loved you. And that's, that's a whole other level. And it actually doesn't matter how other people love us. That's inconsequential. How they respond is actually, it doesn't matter to us if we are loving like Jesus. Because all that matters is how we have been loved by God. Did you get that? That is actually all that matters to us because we, are, as Christians, we have died to ourselves and we've taken on the, the, the power of Christ in us so that His love, and I, I tell you, this is hard. I'm not saying I've got it all together here. Uh, this is something that we all are working towards. But our love is based on how Christ loves us. Imagine a world there where we all live like that. It's not based on how others love us, but on how Christ loves us. And we don't worry about the response. There would be a revolution right there around the world if we loved like that. Not just doing what someone else has done because, um, you know, we're just responding out of like for like. But actually what Christ has done for me, He's loved me with His unconditional, incredible love. And out of that place of receiving His love, I love those around me. Because how many of you are thankful for the love? that God has poured out into your life. How many are thankful for, come on, show our hands. There should be every hand raised. We, are, we have been freely given. Freely we have received, so freely we must give. That's how it operates. We receive and so we give because of what Christ has done in us. Because what's the alternative? Well, the, the alternative to love as others love us treat others as they treat us, that's a law of diminishing returns. It's, you know, that attitude invites fear into our relationships. We're always kind of waiting for the other person to love us. We live a guarded, small life when we are just always responding based on how other people treat us. That's what happens. And you see those people you meet those people who, who have been hurt and they've turned that hurt in on themselves and they're like, oh, well, I'm not going to love again. I'm not going to open up again. I'm not going to be vulnerable. I'm not going to love and trust because I've been hurt. If we live like that, our lives get smaller and smaller and smaller. But the, the life God has for us is to get bigger and bigger and bigger and love towards. And so you will get hurt. God knows I've been hurt, and you have too, by people around you. But you can't allow that to shape the way you respond, the way you choose again 
to love. Because to, to, to love, we have to be vulnerable. We have to risk being hurt. We have to risk being rejected. We have to risk it, it, it touching us in a way we're not prepared for. There's a vulnerability and love that we need to embrace. But you see, vulnerability, vulnerability opens up opportunity in our lives. We all want opportunity. Who wants an opportunity in their world? We all want opportunities. But for those to happen, we often have to be vulnerable. Think about Christ coming to earth. He made himself completely vulnerable, became his own creation. But that brought about the opportunity for all mankind to be saved. That brought about the opportunity for our redemption, that vulnerability. And on a smaller level, that, that works in our lives. If we want greater opportunity, often that opportunity is wrapped up in, in us being vulnerable. Someone else in our world has the answer to us, but we have to be vulnerable first. We have to open up. We have to love before that answer is seen. That's why, that's why e-groups are such a powerful thing. That's why gathering together with people who we can be real with and vulnerable with opens up opportunities for, for healing, for love, for, for God's grace, for, for practical stuff in our lives as well, for real you know, opportunities. Just, just thinking practically how we love. I'd be remiss if we didn't look at the well-known passage in, in 1 Corinthians 13. If you want a rough guide to how to, how to love, this is, this is a pretty good one. Pankrant, you would have probably had it read out at your wedding if you're married or heard it at other people's weddings. Sadly, it's the only place we often hear it, but oh, it's coming out here in church today. 1 Corinthians 13, love, starting verse 4, love is patient, love is kind. It does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. I think in, in light of Friday's call it what it is, massacre, we need to apply this kind of love to our world, to our response. We need to, to not be easily angered, to keep no record of wrongs, to not delight in evil but rejoice with the truth that is the love of God. We need to protect, we need to trust, we need to hope, and we need to persevere in our love. We need to apply that to that situation, but we also need to apply it to our marriage, to our families, to our workmates, to our friends, even to our enemies. We need to be patient and kind, not envious, not boastful. Because love is far more than a feeling. Those are actions. Love is a verb. And as Christians, we need to choose to act in love. I actually think we need to live life on the front foot. We need to love from the front foot. What do I mean by that? I think that's how Jesus lived his life. 
He took the initiative. The Bible says that even while we were still sinners, Christ came and died for us. While we were still far away, we weren't thinking of Him at all. He took the initiative. He stepped forward in love. And I think as Christians, we have that mandate on our lives to step forward in love. Because it's a powerful thing when we do. When we, when we step forward in love, we reshape the world around us. When we step forward in love, we, we change the atmosphere. We need to risk in love. Because I think possibly, and possibly this is an indictment on, on the church in the West in general, but in New Zealand, we're being a bit passive in our love. And our passivity has allowed the world to kind of shape what's happened in our nation. We need to risk. We need to step forward in love. Because people who, who change the world, they, they have a, a healthy disregard for the impossible. You know, the world says, oh, you know, a church, a church of a thousand people in Timaru, that's impossible. That can't happen. God can't, God can't actually work through the church. He can't change lives by the grace of God. Well, actually, He can. He's a God that does that. He's done it in my life, and He can do it in the world around us. What if this week we all stretched out in love towards the world around us? As I said, just in small acts of love. You know, we've given as a church, and I'm sure there'll be other things that will flow from the church in, in the weeks and months to come. But, you know, as individuals, those small acts of love. Stop, stop playing the waiting game. You know, oh, will, will they... Will they respond? Will they say, you know, even as, even as simple as just saying hello or greeting someone? Like this is a, you think oh, this is a pretty small example. But actually, just saying hello, greeting someone with a smile, too often we're like, oh, are they going to say hello? Oh, I'm not sure. Are they, is it the appropriate time? Oh, I don't want to say, uh, I don't want to be too forward. Um, anybody else? A little bit like this. Oh, it's just me. Okay, well, you're all so confident and full of love that it's never you. But, uh, but if it were, just perchance, let's take the initiative. Let's step out. Let's not live on the back foot. Let, let's, let's, let's initiate love. Stop waiting for someone else to show kindness. Let's show kindness ourselves. Otherwise, we're always living on the back foot. We're always living in response to how to what's going on around us. When you live like that, everybody else dictates how your world is. Everybody else dictates the world that we live in, whether it's a kind and a friendly world. When we just wait and we respond. No, no, actually God's called us to initiate, to step forward in love. And I believe Timurua Kubas, we're our church who steps forward in love. Yes? Yes. That's an act of love to encourage me when I say that. Uh, I believe we're a church that steps forward in love. Yes, we step forward. We initiate. Because that creates the world around us. Just saying hello first. Most people, unless they're completely rude, will say hello back. They'll respond in kind when you smile. And you've just changed the world a little bit with that tiny act of love. It's as simple as that. We need to stop playing the waiting game. You have permission because Jesus first loved you. That's all the permission you need. 
to love the world around you. Can I invite Kiza? I'll tell you what, I think the answers often, I said before, the opportunities, the answers that we're often looking for, they're wrapped up in love. They're wrapped up in us stepping out in love and then a door opening up. We've, been, we, we've declared over this year that there's going to be wide open doors, wide open doors before us. If you weren't here a couple of weeks ago, go get the message from Pastor Sam. It's awesome. We've declared wide open doors, but often those doors open as we step forward in love. Those doors open as we take an initiative, we get on the front foot. You can't walk through a doorway on the back foot. You can't back your way into a door that's in front of you. That doesn't work. You're just going to get further away. God calls us to step forward in love. Sometimes God puts answers inside of people we don't like. Have you thought of that? Sometimes the opportunities, the answers that you're looking for will open up when you love someone that you find really hard to like. But God says, are you going to be humble enough to love that person? Are you going to be humble enough to serve them, to say a kind word, to encourage them, to give something to them? Because your love will draw out the answer that you're looking for. And as we come on the front foot, as we step forward in love, we become a resource for our community. We become the church. Last week we talked about being the church. The greatest way we be the church is by loving those around us. As you step forward in love, you become the church to your family. As you step forward in love, you become the church to your friends. As you step forward in in small acts of love, you become the church to your workmates, to your colleagues, to those people you find hard to love. But actually, I want us to close this, this message with a response. And it's not, it's not a response like, yeah, let's just go love everyone. Because the key to our love is the love of Christ in us. And actually, I think I'm feeling a bit, a bit broken at the moment. And I think actually if we're to love the world around us as God calls us to, we need to draw on the strength of Jesus in this moment. Because you can't just white knuckle it and decide I'm going to be loving. Because will, people will see that the cracks will form pretty quickly. No, we need to receive the love of Christ so that we can step forward in love. So why don't you stand to your feet in this moment? We need to, we need to respond. We need to stretch out and receive the love of Jesus in our lives today. Because I, I can tell you, your love is only as strong as your relationship with Jesus. Say that again. Your, the way you love those around you is, is only going to be as good as, as the love you receive from Christ in your life. So let's just maybe take a posture of openness before Him now. And I want to pray. And you can pray in tongues or you can pray out loud. You can just respond in your own way. But let's receive the love that Jesus poured out for us 
on the cross. He was described as a man of sorrows. He, he enters in fully into every pain that we feel. And He restores that by His grace. Come on, let's receive from that now. Let's pray. Father, we thank You that You sent Your Son, Jesus, as the greatest act of love. And Jesus, You went to the cross so that we can have this relationship. We can receive Your love in our lives. And we ask right now, fill us, Holy Spirit. Give us the grace that we need. Give us the love that we need this week. God, comfort us. Give us the peace that we need in our hearts that are, that are hurting. Fill us with your love. Fill us with your love. For those who we find hard to love, for those that we come across, our brothers, our sisters, those who we meet on our journey this week, God, give us the love we need to love them well, to be a good neighbor to them. Holy Spirit, we, we are reliant 100% on you. God, fill us now, we pray. In Jesus' name.